Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's Gospel, we hear the classic story of the cleansing of the temple. It says, Jesus found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers there. He made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen, and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of Scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. What Jesus is doing is so out of character for him. He's very upset, even to the point of chasing people out of the temple that don't belong there. Now, why is that? Well, I think it's important for us to understand you know, the layout of the temple in Jerusalem. When you go into the temple, essentially you enter into a courtyard. It's called the Court of the Gentiles. And it is there that anyone at all, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, which is a non-Jew, you could go there and you could pray and worship God. Essentially, it fulfilled God's mission of drawing all people to him. Now, if you were a Jew, you would walk past that court of the Gentiles and then enter into the physical structure of the temple itself. That's where you would find the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, and where the presence of God would be. And so, when Jesus walks into the court of the Gentiles, he sees all these vendors, the money changers, the animals being bought and sold. Now, he's angry, and he has a right to be. Now, for two reasons, I think. One is, when Jesus sees it, it's a great sign of disrespect. This is supposed to be God's sacred and holy place. And yet, look what the people have done to it. They've turned it into a marketplace. It would be like if you removed all the pews of your church and then established, you know, a flea market there. But I think what really makes Jesus so angry is that Because these vendors are there and they've set up this marketplace in the court of the Gentiles, they're preventing people from worshiping God. And I think that really incensed Jesus. Now, we all know the temple is the epicenter of the entire country of Israel. And what is Jesus doing? He's turning it upside down. Now, I'm sure this shocked the powers that be, and they began to plot against Jesus, trying to craft some crime charge him with it, arrest him, and then execute him. Now, the early church fathers saw in this story of the cleansing of the temple symbolic. Symbolic of Jesus cleansing the temple of our souls. Now, if you read many of Paul's letters, he often refers to our bodies as the body of the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's true. Your soul is meant to be a holy place of prayer, worship, 
and above all, where our union with God is central to our lives. And so, what goes wrong with the temple of one soul? Well, the same thing that went wrong with the temple in Jerusalem. All kinds of distractions prevented people from praying and worshiping God in the temple of Jerusalem. So too with us. You know, essentially, distractions enter into the temple of our soul. Now, they can come in many different forms. Fame, fortune, power, honor, notoriety, money, materialism, whatever it is, you know, it becomes a distraction and it draws away from praying and offering God right worship. Well, Lent now is the perfect time for Jesus to come into the temple of our soul and cleanse it. So a question we have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus chase out? Now, that's a great segue into that first reading. Now, normally we start with the first reading and it's a segue into the gospel. This weekend, it's just the opposite. In the first reading, essentially, we're reading from Exodus. And what we see here is Moses giving the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. Now, the Ten Commandments are good spiritual discipline for us, you know, so that we can see what we need Jesus to cleanse our soul or the temple of our soul. Now, ironically enough, it was just several years ago, if you can remember, there was a strange phenomenon was taking place in our country where courthouses that listed the Ten Commandments on their outside walls, some of them were sandblasting those Ten Commandments off their walls. Why was that? Well, I think it's part and parcel because of moral relativism is becoming so rampant, not just in our country, but throughout the world. Moral relativism, again, is the person who says, you know, I don't need God in my life. In fact, I am my own God. I determine what is morally good and evil in my life and in this world. God doesn't do that. I don't need God for that. In fact, I'm in control of my life. God is not in control of my life at all. So a person that really believes in moral relativism and practices it, you know, takes a look at those Ten Commandments in the courthouse and says, well, essentially that's obsolete. We, we don't, that doesn't apply to us at all. We determine what our commandments are and we follow them. Well, I would argue moral relativism is idolatry in the 21st century. Now, God, he gives us these commandments. Why? Is it to burden us and make our lives miserable? No, it's just the opposite. It's to set us free. God gives us the Ten Commandments to preserve our union with God. Also, to protect the integrity of our religion, as well as our faith and relationship with God. I'll give you a great example. You take any sport, soccer, golf, tennis, baseball, basketball, football. Sports are always surrounded by rules, and those rules protect the integrity of the game. Say if I gave you a basketball, and you didn't know the rules of basketball or how to play it, and then I, I said, well, go into the gym and play. Well, you wouldn't know how. In fact, it would be chaotic, and you wouldn't have any fun. You would be miserable. But if I told you the rules of basketball, then you knew how to play it. See, then you could go onto that basketball court and have fun. Well, the same thing holds true with the Ten Commandments. 
you know, they protect the integrity of our relationship as well as our faith. And in doing so, we'll always be in a right relationship with God. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments, there's two parts to them. The first part is Commandments 1 through 3 that deal with us in relationship with God. The second part are the Commandments 4 through 10 that deal with how we are to relate to others and treat others in this world. Now, that first commandment. The first commandment is really about God being at the center of our life, such that everything else in our life is in harmony with God, flows in and through, or is connected to God. Whatever it is, family, friends, relationships, work, careers, activities, hobbies, they don't compete with God. No, they're in harmony with God, with God at the center of our life. Now, that first commandment really is the foundation in which all of the commandments rest upon. It's kind of like, you know, building a house. You don't build the roof first and then lay down the foundation. No, the foundation comes first because everything is built on that. So take the second commandment. That deals with essentially respecting God with our speech. Say, for example, take a person that you love dearly, spouse, parents, grandparents, your children. Would you take that person's name in vain? No, you wouldn't because you love them so much. And the same thing holds true with God. If we deeply love God, whenever we talk about God, we'll always talk about it with respect or respectful speech. The third commandment talks about or deals with concretely worshiping God. In fact, the greatest way to proclaim to the entire world that God is at the center of your life is to offer God right worship every Sunday or every Saturday night. That's why you look at that first commandment. God is at the center of our life. Well, if he is, well, then we always talk about him with respect and honor. And if God is at the center of our life, then we're compelled to offer him right worship always. Now, based upon our relationship with God and following those first three commandments will greatly influence the rest of the commandments and how we treat other people. So what I want to do for the last few minutes is just select a few of the commandments. How about that fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. Well, that deals with the quality of the relationship that we have with people that are closest to us. Now, unfortunately, if you talk to law enforcement, they will tell you some of the worst violent crimes happen within a family. We refer to it as domestic violence or domestic abuse. More to it, some of the worst grudges that people hold are with family members. How about that seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal? Now, that's easy to see with these corporate scandals people stealing millions of dollars from corporations or even from the federal government and stuff like that. But take it to a a lower level. You know, if a person gossips, if a person slanders another person's reputation, if they talk behind their back and say lies that essentially no are not true and will hurt that person, Thomas Aquinas says that person now is essentially violating the seventh commandment. They're stealing that person's good name. They're stealing that person's good reputation. The last two, 9 and 10, covet. Well, what does that really mean to covet? 
Well, it means essentially to desire, to desire things. Now, often enough, part of our human DNA is we desire things that other people have. You know, a real simple example of that. Take children. You know, you can see a a child surrounded by all these toys, but he doesn't want to play with them. He's bored. But as soon as another child comes by and wants to play with those toys, immediately he grabs them all up. Well, the same thing holds true as adults. You know, we covet, we desire the things that other people have. It leads to conflict and rivalry. Friends, today, it's important for us, third Sunday of Lent, to continue on this Lenten journey. Use the Ten Commandments to essentially identify those distractions that we have in our soul and then allow Jesus to come and cleanse the temple of our soul so now nothing prevents us from prayer and offering God right worship, now and always. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.